On Mother's Day, Ivanka Trump took the opportunity to tweet about the so-called wage gap between men and women. But instead of recognizing that it doesn't actually exist, she blamed it on pregnancy and having children. Which actually is true, but doesn't speak to innate sexism in the free market. It speaks instead to the fact that those who spend less time in the workplace earn less money. She tweeted out a piece in the New York Times that admitted as much. Quote, Today, on Mother's Day, we must confront that motherhood is now a greater determinant of pay inequality than gender. The New York Times piece acknowledges, quote, When men and women finish school and start working, they're paid pretty much equally. But a gender pay gap soon appears, and it grows significantly over the next two decades. So what changes? The answer can be found by looking at when the pay gap widens most sharply. It's the late 20s to mid-30s, according to two new studies. In other words, when many women have children. Unmarried women without children continue to earn closer to what men do. Naturally, the Times suggests that public policy must be changed in order to force men to work less or push employers to cut back hours or use the government to push paid maternity leave, which is exactly what Ivanka Trump has been doing regularly and which President Trump suggested on Mother's Day, too. Trump's Mother's Day message stated, quote, I am committed to working with Congress to help mothers and fathers have paid family leave so that child care is accessible and affordable and to invest in the comprehensive care that women receive at community health centers. Through these reforms and my 2018 presidential budget, we will enable access to the critical health care services women need. Here's the silliest part of all of this. If the real gap appears with marriage and children, why would we penalize single women in the marketplace by equalizing all pay regardless of female choice? And why would we penalize the men in marriages who are helping to support their wives and kids by cutting their pay simply to satisfy the feelings of women who may end up with the same net household pay with or without regulation? Imagine for a second a husband earns 60 grand a year and his wife used to earn 50 grand, but now after the first kid, she works part time and makes 30 grand a year. Would it really benefit the family to push policies that would result in the husband being paid 45 grand and the wife 45 grand just so she can spend more time at work? The legislation makes leftists feel good, and Ivanka's a leftist. It's sort of disquieting that she has so much power over daddy. I'm the Ben Shapiro Show. Well, this is Ben Shapiro Show, and I'm Ben Shapiro. You know the deal. All right, so starting off the week on an auspicious note, but before we get started with President Trump's weekend activities and all the fun that is to be had there and the Democrats going completely over the top, which they are doing, they can't stop themselves, and the media declaring a a class one natural disaster, we must first say thank you to our sponsors over at Texture.com. So as I've said before, I'm an information junkie, and as an information junkie, I really appreciate Texture. Texture.com is about staying more informed. For one low price, you end up with subscriptions to Texture.com to over 200 plus magazines full of in-depth interviews and stories. There's a huge list of these magazines that I've got right here before me. We're talking about everything from National Geographic and Sports Illustrated to Entertainment Weekly, Vanity Fair, Rolling Stone, and Cosmo. And it's all the major magazines that you could want in one low subscription fee. Right now, Texture is offering my listeners a 14-day free trial when you go to Texture.com slash Ben. That's 14 days to try Texture for free when you go to Texture.com slash Ben. Normally, it's $9.99 a month. But again, if you sign up right now, then you get a 14-day free trial. You can try it out. My wife get, reads Reader's Digest on Texture.com. We actually had a guest on the program because I used Texture.com, read Reader's Digest, saw an article that I thought was great, and we had somebody on the program because of it. It's fantastic. Again, it's a digital app that allows you to download all of these issues to your smartphone or to your, or to your iPad. And uh, then you can read all of these. It has back issues as well. Texture.com slash Ben, 14-day free trial. If you're into information the way I am, then you need it. It's the Texture app, texture.com slash Ben, for that 14-day free trial. Okay, so President Trump had himself a busy little weekend. President Trump needs to stop 
having himself busy little weekends. Uh, and the reason I say this is because if you actually want President Trump to succeed, and at this point, regardless of how anyone voted in the last election cycle, he's the president of the United States. I would like to see him do good things. When he did good things, I celebrated those good things. When he nominated Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court, I put on a MAGA hat, for goodness sake. But it is important that he actually be good at his job. Ann Coulter, who has been as big a Trump booster as it is possible to be. I mean, she wrote a book called In Trump We Trust, not In God We Trust, In Trump We Trust. She actually wrote that book. Ann Coulter today came out and said that this presidency thus far is a disaster area. And it's hard to argue with that after the last week, because here we're going to get. Don't worry, we'll get to the Democrats overreaching because they are and how Trump can fix all of this, which he can. And we'll get to how Republicans ought to treat Trump and all of that. But it is important to note, if you want Trump to do better, you need to treat Trump the same way that you treat everyone else in your life. He needs to be told he is not doing a good job so that he can improve. If you keep telling him he is doing a wonderful job when he is not doing a wonderful job, he will keep not doing a wonderful job and thinking he's doing a fantastic, fantastic job. Right now, he's blaming everyone around him, apparently, except for himself. All of the problems on his table are self-inflicted. They are self-inflicted. You know, every, he's worried about leaks inside his administration. You know one way to end leaks inside your administration? Run it like a decently run business. Okay, George W. Bush did not have these kinds of leaks. Barack Obama did not have these kinds of leaks. And that's because they were well-liked in their own White House. They didn't treat their employees as though they're disposable assets. And beyond that, they actually staffed up their administration. Like today, the Congressional Budget Office tweeted out something about the special investi- about the um, about the Independent Counsel Act, about reinvigorating the Independent Counsel Act. That's the Congressional Budget Office. Why would they do that? They're doing that because somebody who's an Obama holdover is trolling. You know why there are a bunch of Obama holdovers? Because Trump hasn't fired all the Obama holdovers. He hasn't filled any of these positions. We're more than three months into this administration, and President Trump has not actually filled something like 90% of the vacant positions that have been created. You basically have at a lot of these departments, the head of the department, a deputy, and no one else. Okay, And that means that the people who are from the Obama administration are still there doing what they're doing. Trump has to do the normal things that a president is able to do. Jonah Goldberg make a, made a very good point about this. There's this excuse-making that happens on the right now. Well, he won. Maybe you just don't understand his genius. Okay, winning an election is not the same thing as being a good president. We should have learned that from Barack Obama, who is a fantastic campaigner and a really crappy president. But Trump's a whole different story. He's not even doing like the normal things that a president should do and doing them well. He's not even staffing up. Now, these are basic, basic things. And it doesn't help when you go on Twitter and mind vomit Every, every couple of days or so. So Friday morning, we spent the entire week, the entire week talking about this Comey firing. And as I said last week, he's number one within his rights to fire Comey. Number two, should have fired Comey. Number three, fired Comey in the stupidest possible way. Right? He fired Comey without any sort of warning. He did it without any sort of transition in place. He did it apparently expecting that there wasn't going to be any blowback. And then there is blowback, and he expects the right to be able to defend him. And so we say, okay, well, you know what? He is within his rights to do that. You know, he's not doing it over Russia. And then he goes on national TV and links the Comey firing to the Russia investigation like a doofus. Okay, it's so stupid. He doesn't have to do this. And then he gets up on Friday and he says, you know what? Things aren't going well. I'm going to tweet a bunch of random stupid crap. So here we go. Here is random stupid crap number one. He tweets this on Friday morning at 526 a.m. So clearly the man is not sleeping. He tweets, James Comey better hope that there are no tapes, unquote, tapes of our conversations before he starts leaking to the press. Why? Why, God? Why? Why? Just what? Why? Why would you do this? What, what would possess you to do this? Like, do you want to be good at being the president? Or would you like to replicate what happened with Richard Nixon, where a member of Richard Nixon's staff testified in front of Congress that there were tapes in the Oval Office, Congress subpoenaed the tapes, 
Nixon refused the subpoena. The special prosecutor subpoenaed the tapes. He fired the special prosecutor. The attorney general resigned. The deputy attorney general resigned. And Nixon ends up being impeached. Does this sound, or resigning, does this sound like a good, like, is this what you want to do? You really want to talk about tapes? Last time we talked about tapes, we were talking about Nixon. Is this like the smart way to do this? First of all, do I think there are actually tapes of the conversations? No, I think that Trump says stupid crap like this all the time just to intimidate people. And it would be nice, honestly. I want to be one of the people who just says about his Twitter feed, let's ignore it. Right, let's ignore it. Okay, fine. I wrote an entire piece about at National Review about why we should just ignore his Twitter feed because it really isn't all that important, right? Because who cares? Okay, so he tweets some stupid stuff sometimes. Except that then Trump selectively insists that we all actually pay attention to his Twitter feed. If you don't pay attention to his wiretapping tweet from back in, from back in February, then he gets mad at you. And then he says, well, why aren't you paying attention? I'm gonna fi-. In fact, he used that as an, as an excuse to fire Comey. He said, I'm going to fire Comey because Comey isn't paying attention to my wiretapping tweet. So am I supposed to pay attention or am I not? And I keep hearing, take him seriously, but not literally. But then every time I take him seriously, but not literally, he, is, he, he gets angry and wants me to take him literally. Okay, so that wasn't the only stupid thing he tweeted. He also decided it would be smart to tweet about press briefings. So he's angry at his own press shop. Why is he angry at his press shop? Because he gives them no warning whatsoever. Chris Steyerwalt and Dana Perino. Dana Perino was the press secretary for Bush. She says there is no communications team on earth that can handle what Trump has been doing. Trump is just going out there and doing stuff. And then like 20 minutes later, he expects the communications team to have some sort of grand plan on how to handle that. And then when they don't, he gets mad at them. It is not their fault that he's not allowing them to do their job. So he goes out there, announces the Comey firing with less than an hour notice to his communications team. They go out there and they craft this entirely implausible thing about how it was the deputy attorney general who had recommended the firing and Trump was just following that that recommendation. And then Trump, of course, goes on national TV and blows it up. And then the secretaries, the press secretaries go out there and they have to explain all this and there's no way for them to explain it. So you got Sean Spicer literally hiding in the bushes at the White House, like between the bushes and insisting that they turn off the cameras and turn off the lights so that there's not tape of him talking. Just insanity. So what does he tweet? He tweets, He's mad at his own press people. He tweets, as a very active president with lots of things happening, it is not possible for my surrogates to stand at podium with perfect, perfect accuracy. Really? So are they, are they lying? Are they not giving us full information? And this idea that he's super duper active, he has passed legislation, less, less legislation than any president in the first hundred days in modern history. He is not that active. He's active on Twitter. He's golfing a lot. I'm not seeing tons of things getting done. He's got some executive orders that are pretty narrow in scope. Again, I want good things, good things, okay? And then he tweets, maybe the best thing to do would be to cancel all future press briefings and hand out written responses for the sake of accuracy. First of all, I just want to note, someone needs to teach the man how to use scare quotes. You don't need scare quotes around tapes. You don't need scare quotes around press briefings, but that's nitpicking. He says, hand out written responses for the sake of accuracy. This would be called propaganda. The purpose of having a press briefing is so people can ask questions about your policies. Why is it that every president who does this has press briefings, okay? Even Barack Obama considered apparently ending press briefings in 2013, and I'm old enough to remember when Republicans thought that was a bad thing. Now Trump says this, and now we're going to get a week of questions about whether he actually wants to quash press freedoms. And then he tweets about the witch hunt of the Russia investigation. So he goes on national TV with Lester Holt, which we talked about last week, and he says that he wants the Russia investigation to go forward in the most honest and decent possible manner. And then he tweets out, when James Clapper himself and virtually everyone else with knowledge of the witch hunt says there is no collusion, when does it end? That doesn't sound like someone who wants to pursue the investigation very hard, does it? It sounds like someone who wants to end the investigation. So, do I actually think that he's firing people to cover up the investigation? No. As I said last week, this is my working theory from day one. It has been true then. It is true now. It is all true. Okay, my working invest- my working theory from the very first day is the reason that Trump fired Comey is because he got mad and he acted like a toddler and he wanted him gone. 
Okay? Like, there are a lot of great reasons to get rid of Comey. They were all true back in January. He should have fired him back then. He should have fired him two months ago. He should have fired him three months ago. He fired him in the middle of this thing. And then what really happened is that Comey was on TV, and he won't go on TV and say that Trump is, is innocent, and so Trump fired him. That's basically what happened here, and then he made up a bunch of excuses as to why that is true. Again, none of this is good for him. Okay, I can't blame the Democrats when you are shooting yourself in the face with a shotgun. Okay, take the, he's negotiating with himself like the, like the guy from Blazing Saddles. He's got the gun to his own head and saying, if you don't, you know, if you don't stop me, I'm going to shoot. It's like, no, the Democrats want you to do this, okay? This is, he's doing what Democrats want him to do. And I know people want to tune in and they want to hear me defend Trump. I can't defend Trump unless he provides me a line of defense that is credible and decent. Okay? It is his job to provide a line of defense that actually makes sense. Like, this is just, you don't have, I'm seeing comments now. Maybe you should run for president because you know what a president should do. No, I'm not saying I know everything a president should do, but I can certainly tell you what a president should not do. Okay, like this, stuff a president should not do. It's just not smart. It's just not smart. And again, I, I think that, um, who was it? It was um, Ramesh Panuru over at National Review. He had, a, he had a great piece on this. And what he said was, basically, my theory is correct, that Trump just egotistically fired Comey because he didn't like him, and it has nothing to do with him trying to cover it up. The problem is the way that he did it makes it look just like a cover-up, which is really, really dumb. It's really, really, really dumb. So Trump's response to all of this is, of course, to say that it's just that there are a lot of people who are being critical of him, and he hasn't done anything wrong. Nothing is easier than being a critic. So here is Trump talking about how, how easy it is to be a critic. Nothing is easier or more pathetic than being a critic. Because they're people that can't get the job done. But the future belongs to the dreamers. Okay, so he's angry with all the critics. And this is always the, the easy out is to, is to go after the critics. And we'll go after the critics in just a second. Because I think it's important to point out when people are exaggerating the case. But I also think that it's important to be honest about what Trump is doing right now and why it is insufficient if he wants to get the job of government done. I would like to see an actual Obamacare appeal, not the fake Obamacare appeal, like an actual one. I would like to see tax reform. I would like to see all sorts of good things from this president, but he can't do it if he's too busy trying to extricate his foot from a bear trap that he set and then jumped on with both feet. Don't do that. Just don't do it. I'm going to explain in a second why Democrats are overreaching and why that actually provides an opportunity for Trump to get out of this in a second, because this isn't the, the hardest thing to actually get out of. Trump's created this because he has character flaws that are deep and abiding. They haven't changed since last year. He'd become a perfect human being just because he won a victory. But the Democrats have no capacity to simply be critical. Instead, they have to go way over the top. And so we'll talk about that in just a second. But first, I want to say thank you to our advertisers over at Zeal. So this is a fantastic service. It's massage on demand. So my wife has been having some trouble with her neck, and so we went to zeal.com, and we ordered a massage. You can get it on demand at your place anytime that you want. It's all licensed massage therapists. Zeal.com, and you use promo code BEN, you get $25 off your first massage and 20% off all massages, plus a free massage table and sheet set if you sign up for the Zeal Massage membership. It's fantastic. We've used it for my mother-in-law. We've used it for my father. We've used it for my mother. I've used it for my sister. Like my whole family has used Zeal.com. I've used it myself. And the masseuses that they bring are top-notch. Again, they, they are all licensed masseuses, uh, and the and they uh, they check. The, the, I mean, they're, they're really thorough. I mean, the way that they work is that they actually you, you shoot them a picture of your ID so they can check to make sure you're not a creeper uh, before they send the masseuse, which makes perfect sense. Um, but they, then they send somebody who's really top-notch. They they bring the the massage materials, they bring the the table, uh, they bring the music, the whole thing right to your house. I've said many times on this show that. 
feeling rich is not necessarily about being rich. It's about being able to do things that rich people can do. And Zeal.com makes it possible for you to feel rich even if you're not because the prices on these things are really not expensive. Right? They're very inexpensive, actually, and it's top-notch just as good as you can get at any spa. Plus, you don't have to wait for an appointment at the spa. They come to you and you name the time. It's really cool. Again, our listeners get $25 off their first massage if they use the promo code BEN at checkout. And it gets better. You get that Zeal Massage membership and 20% off all your massages plus a free massage table and sheet set, which is a $380 value, yours free when you sign up for that massage membership. There's no initiation fee to join the membership, just great additional savings on top of the $25 discounts. It's Zeal, Z-E-E-L.com, and you can go to iPhone or Android, download the app, and add that promo code. Make sure you use the promo code so you get the discount. Get, use that promo code, Ben, and obviously we thank them for their sponsorship. Okay, so the Democrats are overreaching, and this provides Trump with an opportunity. So I just described all the way in which Trump decided to light himself on fire. The Democrats have decided that they too will light themselves on fire. Basically, this has turned into the scene from Zoolander in which everyone is having a gasoline fight and then someone lights a cigarette. Right? That's basically what this has turned into. The Democrats have decided to combat Trump's silliness not by standing back and just letting it happen, not by just letting the, the explosion happen and then building a beautiful statue of the of the models, the male models, setting each other, shooting gasoline at each other. Instead, they've decided they want to participate in the gasoline fight. So Senator uh, Mark Warner uh, from Virginia, from West Virginia, he comes out and he says that this is all about the cover-up, right? It's all about covering up for, for James Comey. Now, before I get to Mark Warner, I just want to point one thing out. Even the Republicans weren't willing to put anyone on TV to defend what Trump did last week. There are very few Republicans on the Sunday shows talking about this. Even the ones who were, like Lindsey Graham, are not friends of President Trump. In fact, Lindsey Graham's first line, he was on, I think it was ABC, his first line was, I can't believe I agreed to come on this week. That's not a good sign, okay? So, but, the, but the Democrats were all too eager to run to a camera, which is really stupid. What the Democrats should do is they should pipe down. Right? The Democrats should sit there and they should just say, I don't know what Trump is doing, but it looks kind of suspicious, don't you think? Just to underplay it, understatement, it's a grand thing in politics, but nobody is capable of it because we now live in hysteria land. So here is Senator Mark Warner from West Virginia talking about how this is really just an attempt to, to quash Comey talking. But again, the president in this administration who said there's no there there continues through their actions to indicate that they are afraid of where this investigation may head. Let's again step back for a brief moment. This week we saw... Yates testify that the acting attorney general General who was fired, that the administration did not appropriately react to her concerns about General Flynn. We saw the director of the FBI fired literally two days before he was supposed to testify before my committee. We then have the president changing his reasoning for why he fired him from saying this was a recommendation of the acting attorney general or deputy attorney general to the fact that he was going to fire him anyway because of uh, Comey's investigation into Russia. And then we had a conspiracy. Comey was about to testify and now he's not going to testify, except that Comey's going to testify. In fact, Comey was invited to testify on Tuesday. He said he didn't want to because they invited him to testify in closed session. Bad news for Trump. He wants to testify publicly in open session. Of course he does, because one thing Trump is right about is Comey is a, a showboat. He is a grandstander. He does love the cameras. I mean, the dude is like, the, the, he, he gets up in the middle of the night, he opens his fridge, the light goes on, and he starts talking. And it's like, like, he's just, Comey loves the cameras. He loves being in front of the cameras. And so it's not good news for Trump. But the Democrats are, are saying this is to silence Comey. This was to avoid the Russia investigation. If that was the case, this is the worst conspiracy ever. 
It's a horrible conspiracy. He's terrible at conspiracy. Now, here's the thing. That's totally plausible, right? So two things are plausible. One, that it's not a conspiracy because no one could be this stupid as to run a conspiracy this way. And two, maybe someone is this stupid to run a conspiracy this way. They're both totally plausible or at least partially plausible. But my take is that even Trump, and as, as kooky as Trump has been over the last couple of weeks, even Trump is not really trying to do this. Again, he's not shutting down the, the he's not shutting this down. Honestly, the best way for Trump to stop all of this talk is by making someone the head of the FBI that everyone trusts. Right? I mean, somebody who may be a Democrat, right? Somebody like a Merrick Garland, an Obama appointee to the Supreme Court who wasn't actually given a vote. And Mitch McConnell was saying he should make Merrick Garland the head of that. Maybe you leave Andrew McCabe. Andrew McCabe is a Democrat. You leave someone there who Democrats really can't whine about. And Democrats are really overstepping. There are some Democrats who have been saying over the past little while that they're not going to even approve an FBI director until a special investigator is given powers, until a special prosecutor is appointed. That's idiocy. That, that seems to me a wild overreach. I mean, what if, what if Trump appoints like Barack Obama, the, the head of the FBI? Are they going to try and stop Barack Obama from being the head of the FBI because they, they want a special prosecutor? Who the head of the FBI is is going to determine where this goes from here. You know, with that said, the Democrats continue to overreach and overreach. Here's Chuck Schumer saying that he now doesn't just want Trump investigated. He wants Jeff Sessions, the attorney general, investigated because Jeff Sessions had recused himself from Trump Russia and then recommended that Comey be fired. I have asked the inspector general, and the request I've made is not only to look into any interference to thwart the investigation, but whether Attorney General Sessions should have participated in the firing of Comey and should participate in FBI director. You know, Attorney General Sessions has a much higher obligation. He didn't tell the truth about meeting with the Russians, so he recused himself. Now he seems to be violating that recusal. That would seem uh, on its face to be part of this. And look, I called for him to step down when he didn't tell the truth about the Russians because it's the highest law enforcement officer in the land. If, if the actions of the last week make all the more reason that he should not be Democrats attorney Democrats are hypocrites, obviously. They didn't call for Loretta Lynch to resign after she got on a plane with Bill Clinton in the middle of an investigation of Hillary Clinton. They never called on Eric Holder to resign after he was held in contempt of Congress. This is a, all of this is a wild overreach. And if Trump solves the problem by appointing someone good at the head of the FBI, Democrats can still look stupid because they're actually out on a limb here, and Trump can actually saw that branch off behind them, and then all of his people can say MAGA, 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 3D underwater chess, and all the rest of it, and they will actually be sort of right. He'll have accidented himself into a good situation. Trump can do that. He can still do that. So who his FBI director is matters an awful lot here. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about this. We want to talk about the Republican response and what Republicans should do and the media. And basically, we're going to cover this from every angle because that's what we do here. But for that, you're going to have to go to dailywire.com and subscribe. $8 a month gets you a subscription to dailywire.com. If you get an annual subscription, then you also get to be part of the, not only part of the mailbag, but you also get a, a free copy of Jeremy Boring's The Arroyo. It's a fictional film set on the southern border, action western uh, set on the southern border in which drug cartels are attempting to use a rancher's land as a thoroughfare for drugs and human trafficking. Good movie. Dailywire.com if you want the subscription. Or if you just want to listen later, go over to iTunes or SoundCloud. Make sure that you subscribe and definitely leave a review. We always appreciate it. We are the largest conservative podcast in the nation. So just to complete the hysteria, James Clapper, who you'll recall just a few minutes ago, President Trump tweeted about. Remember, I just want to show the, the juxtaposition here. Trump tweeted about the witch hunt, uh, and this is what he tweeted, you recall, when James Clapper himself and virtually everyone else with knowledge of the witch hunt says there is no collusion, when does it end? Clapper said, um, I never said there was no collusion. Like, I don't know about that because I'm not, in a I'm not the head of the FBI. I wouldn't know about that. And then he says that American institutions are under assault from President Trump. 
this week with the president firing the FBI director while this investigation is going on, um, and then saying that he was thinking about the Russia probe when he was making the decision. Have we crossed a line here? Well, I will just say that uh, the developments of the past week very bothersome, very disturbing to me. Uh, I think in many ways our institutions are under assault, both externally, and that's, that's the big news here is the Russian interference in our election system. Now, when he says our institutions are under assault, again, one of the problems here is that all the Democrats, people on the left, they're treating Trump as though he is the the battering ram against the institutions of the United States. James Clapper, the guy who you see here talking about institutions under assault, committed perjury in front of Congress when he was head of the DIA, the, the, the Defense Intelligence Agency. When he was head of that, he committed perjury in front of, in front of Congress. Back in 2013, October 2013, he was specifically asked if the American government was monitoring communications of Americans, and he denied the metadata program existed. And then, of course, Edward Snowden revealed the metadata program existed. He committed open perjury. He was never prosecuted for it because he was a member of the Obama administration. So when we talk about assaults on American institutions, this sort of overreach is too far, and I think everyone can see that. And the polls show that while Americans aren't pleased with the Comey firing, they also don't care deeply about it. It's not like this is top priority for them. So all Trump has to do to fix this is to actually fix it. Now, with that said, there are three strategies that have been attempted by people who are associated on the right with Trump. Because this has become a hot potato now. The the congressional ballot, according to Quinnipiac, which is basically a Democrat-skewed poll, it says the Democrats have a 16-point advantage going into the next election cycle on the, on, the, on, the, uh, on the generic ballot. If that's the case, that's a disaster for Republicans. Republicans had a 10-point advantage in 2010 when they swept to a 63-seat 63 swing in the House. That was a 10-point advantage. If it's 16, Democrats not only take the House, they take it by a wide margin. So Republicans have to be careful with Trump because Trump is a relatively toxic political figure. He's at like 41% in the Real Clear Politics poll average of approval ratings. That is not the worst that ever was, but it certainly ain't great. Uh, and, uh, and so Republicans have to be a little bit careful. So it's broken down into three basic branches of how Republicans deal with Trump. I think that two of them are kind of stupid, and one of them it makes, makes some sense. The stupid one is all the people who work for Trump. So one of the reasons that Trump is having leak problems uh, is not because of anything urinary. It's because he has a, a leak problem within his own staff because people do not feel loyal to him because he is not loyal to them. If you ever talk to anybody who served in the Bush administration, there's a great feeling of loyalty to Bush. Even if you talk to people in the Obama administration, there's a great feeling of loyalty to Obama. If you listen to other podcasts, like John Lovett, who was an Obama staffer way back when, he is on it with a couple of other Obama staffers, and they are deeply loyal to Obama. I mean, even now, they're deeply loyal to Obama. There are people who aren't loyal to Trump, and they're working for him right now. And that's because they feel like they're, they could be fired at any second. And you can hear that consistent feeling from people working for Trump. That does not make for a comfortable work environment in which people can tell Trump the truth. And especially when Trump is now saying he might tape you and then use the tape against you, right? which is what he said about James Comey. So Rex Tillerson, the Secretary of State, he's asked about, you know, after Comey's firing, do you feel secure? And here's what he says to Chuck Todd. Did the firing of, sec- of, of FBI Director Comey shake your concern about whether how much independence the president will give you? Not at all, Chuck. I have a, I have a great relationship with the president. I understand uh, what his objectives are. When I'm not clear on what his objectives are, we talk about it. Uh, but I am devoted to uh, helping the president achieve his objectives, helping him be successful. And I understand I have to earn his confidence every day with how I go about 
uh, those affairs and how I go about conducting uh, the State Department's activities consistent with the direction he wants to take the country. What's the line between service to the president and service to the country, sir, for you? Well, I will never compromise my own values, Chuck, and so uh, that's my only line, is, uh, and my values are those of the country. Okay, so this idea that he has to earn Trump's confidence every day, that's not going to make for a very secure administration where people feel like they can tell the president the truth. Nikki Haley, who's doing a good job as the U.N. ambassador, she basically says the same thing. The president is the CEO of the country. He can hire and fire whoever he wants. That's his right. Whether you agree with it or not, it's the truth. And what he's trying to do is find his own team, figure out how he's going to do it. Were there better ways he could have done that? That's for everybody else to decide. But we have to remember, he can hire and fire anybody else that he wants. That is industry. It's true. He can hire and fire anybody else that he wants to. The idea that he's CEO of the country is kind of silly. He's CEO of the executive branch, not of the entire country. The country doesn't have a CEO. We have elected representatives. But the idea that anyone in this administration is going to say things to him that he doesn't want to hear, it's not happening, and that's a problem. Because if people don't say to him things that are true, like, dude, turn off the Twitter for like five seconds, please, it's going to be a serious problem. Again, there's a story today from Politico, and I don't like quoting Politico because sometimes their scoops are not correct, but this one is well-sourced, and I happen to know from another source that this is true. Basically, there are a lot of people inside Trump's administration who hand him legitimately fake news. I mean, news from websites that that purvey just stuff that's not true at all and that Trump then ha- that will then attempt to use it like apparently there's a staffer named Katie Walsh who is basically at odds with the Trump administration because there was an oh, an uh, uh, an article on a website that has some that has said things in the past that are not true uh, to put it delicately uh, and um and she ended up basically being ousted from the administration because of this fake news article that was based on nothing, apparently, uh, or at least allegedly based on nothing. So it's this kind of stuff is not good for the president. So approach number one is double down on Trump, tell Trump that he's doing a great job and everything will be fine. This approach is not working. Approach number two is the Paul Ryan approach, and that is just pray. Just pray. And that's really what Speaker of the House Ryan is doing. He's going around and they asked him about you know Trump's tweets on Friday. And he said, well, I'm not going to respond to every Trump tweet. Also, we're ready for tax reform. And I was like, okay, well, good luck with that, dude. You know, like, I, I understand that you're sort of tied to Trump, that you can't, as the Speaker of the House, you can't separate from the president of your own party. Um, but I don't think that that is going to bear grand fruit in, in any sense. And then there's what I think makes the most sense, and that is the response of Ben Sass, the senator from Nebraska. And that is, you know, you got to take it as it comes. When Trump says something dumb, say he said something dumb, maybe you'll encourage him to say something smart. When he says something smart, compliment it. This is our approach here on the show. And I think that if Trump would listen to the show, then he might be doing a better job as president as opposed to listening to, you know, Alex Jones and Bill Mitchell, who are just going to tell him he's doing everything right all the time. I think that's a mistake. Um, Here's Ben Sass making that case. Why do you think James Comey was fired? I'm not sure how this president makes lots of decisions, so I I honestly don't know. But I do know that we are in the midst of a civilization warping uh, crisis of public trust. And that is exactly right. Lindsey Graham, who I don't like virtually at all. The senator from South Carolina, he's correct when he says you can't be cute about tapes, for example. If there are any tapes, they have to be turned over. Uh, You can't be cute about tapes. If there are any tapes of this conversation, they need to be turned over. I doubt if there are, but we need to clear there. Okay, and uh, and in a second, I want to get to, this seems to me, by the way, the right thing to do, that if you're going to get Trump to be better, you have to encourage him to be better by calling him out when he's not doing a very good job. Right now, the last week was a disaster. I grade him every week. week. The week before last, he got a B. Last week, he got an F. And that's because there are no letters lower than F. He got it was a very, very bad week for him last week. We'll get to the media reaction to all of this because 
The media has also broken down into three categories, and we'll get to that in one second. But first, I want to say thank you to new sponsors over at CarShield. So, sooner or later, you know that your car is going to break down. You know that you're going to have car trouble at some point. If you're lucky, it happens while the manufacturer's warranty is still on it and the repair is covered. But if it happens after that warranty expires, you're screwed, right? You're going to pay thousands of dollars out of pocket. That's why you should get extended coverage uh, from CarShield.com. Uh, you know, I've owned cars in the past. I wish that I'd been able to do this. I didn't. I should have. Carshield.com slash man. You get 10% off coverage. Right now, if your car is 3 to 12 years old, it doesn't mean you have to pay high repair bills because Carshield administrators have paid out close to $2 billion in claims, and they're ready to help you as well. They even provide 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is in the shop so you're not left stranded in the coal carshield.com extended vehicle service protection do it now before it's too late if you own a used or new car you're going to want it because the longer you drive that car the better the chances are that something's going to break down you're going to have to spend tons of money on it so carshield.com slash ben to save that 10 percent carshield.com slash ben to save 10 percent i promise you the premiums that you're going to be paying on at carshield.com uh it's going to be a lot less than you're going to have to pay when your engine breaks down so carshield.com slash ben to receive that 10 percent uh, a deductible may apply okay so the media's response to all of this is also broken down into three lines. So the, the Democrats only have one line, and that is conspiracy, conspiracy. Everything's the end of the world. Putin is running Trump. Trump's actually Putin's bleep holster, right? The, the, the whole thing, right? That's, the, that's their spiel. And then there's the Republican response, which is basically three branches, which is one is which is you're doing everything right, Mr. President. We love it so much. Fail. And then there's two. We're praying, praying that he's going to do it. Fail. And then there's three, which is, okay, We'll call him out when he's doing something wrong, and we will say when he's doing something right, which seems to me what you should do with everyone on earth, folks. This is not unique to President Trump. You do it with your friends. You do it with your family. You do it with other politicians. Just because Trump got elected doesn't mean he is now free to do whatever he wants. Okay, so the media reaction has also broken down into three lines. Line one is the hysterical Democrat line, which is the threat to American democracy line. This is Fareed Zachariah, the plagiarist on CNN, uh, making the case that uh, American democracy is threatened by President Trump firing a guy who constitutionally he is able to fire. There has always been another aspect to this presidency lurking beneath the surface, sometimes erupting as it did this week. Donald Trump, in much of his rhetoric and many of his actions, poses a danger to American democracy. Okay, so no, no, and no, this is not a threat to American democracy. You know how you know it's not a threat to American democracy? Because your democracy is not threatened. Okay, you've been able to vote in every election. You're still going to be able to vote in elections. No one's cracking down on your free speech. No one is taking away any of your rights at this point. The idea that Trump is destroying American democracy by firing someone who he is constitutionally able to fire is just silly. It's just silly. And if Congress wants to do something about it, Congress can do something about it. In all likelihood, he's now going to appoint. I, I am optimistic. There are people who are pessimistic. I'm optimistic that Trump will appoint somebody good at the head of the FBI, and that will solve a lot of this. Okay, so line number one is the full Democrat threat to American democracy, fascism, fascism, Hitler, Stalin, we're all going to die. Okay, line number two is the sort of blithe, the blithe reasoning from some of people, some people who are warm to Trump. Now, Peggy Noonan won the, the Pulitzer Prize last year. Uh, I, I like some of what Peggy Noonan writes. I really don't like a lot of what Peggy Noonan writes. I think that she sort of panders to whatever is the, the feel of the moment, particularly when it comes to a, a sort of populist line. She comes out, she says, Americans aren't obsessed with this. I think it's a mistake to treat this story the way Peggy Noonan treats the story. Here's Peggy Noonan from the Wall Street Journal. What obsesses us in Washington, as we well know, is not necessarily what obsesses America. What we talk about on this panel is not our views, not necessarily reflected out there. I was so struck yesterday with everybody I know in conversations. It was all about Comey, the FBI, who's the next guy. 
Then I put on the TV and I see the president wowing them at Liberty University with they got their MAGA hats on. I am struck by the distance between our conversation and the national conversation. And I'm struck by the distance between Democrats and Republicans as they approve or disapprove of the Comey thing. Okay, so, you know, I think that there is obviously a gap between how people who watch this show or listen to this show view the stuff of the news of the day. I mean, it's a self-selected group who care about the news of the day. That's not everyone. But she's wrong when she suggests that it doesn't bleed down. It does bleed down. The news of the day bleeds down. I know this because I actually talked to some people who are not, you know, quote-unquote, in the beltway types. So yeah, I, I sort of use it, – it's funny. Everyone sort of has their barometer of what the normal guy is. Right? Everyone has a friend. They're like, oh, that's the normal guy. That's probably what he thinks, right? Uh, so my normal guy is, uh, is my personal trainer. So my, my personal trainer is not a political guy. He's not right-wing. He's not left-wing. He doesn't follow politics closely. He came in on Friday. We were working out. He comes in. He goes, so all this is pretty weird, huh? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's fair. And, and his basic take was, it seems weird that Trump would fire Comey. Again, does that mean that every – am I generalizing from one guy? No. But what the polls show is that Americans don't approve of the firing of Comey. It's not top of mind. They don't think it's the biggest issue in the world. But they are skeptical of Trump's excuse-making, and they feel like Trump is unstable, and that is going to bleed down. So it's a mistake to just do what a lot of people have been doing. And I see this on the right all the time, which is, well, Trump supporters still love him. You can't get those people. Those people still – Yes, and Obama supporters loved him all the way through, and Bush supporters loved him all the way through. This idea that you can just keep saying, the base, the base, the base, the base, you're going to need more than the base to win the next election cycle. I'm talking both congressionally and also in terms of the presidency. And then there is the third view. The third view is uh, the view that is expressed by Bob Woodward here, unlike Carl Bernstein, who's gone completely off his nut. Carl Bernstein is saying it's, it's Watergate all over again. Bob Woodward, who still has some credibility, he says, there's not a crime yet. Like, what is everyone, that, there's no crime here. What are you all freaking out about? Uh, not a clear crime on the Russian issue. Uh, as Senator Warner and others have said, there are, there are uh, you know, a thousand questions and they should be answered. But there's no evidence that President Trump at this point was somehow involved in collusion here. And that's exactly right. So this is the responsible way to cover it. You cover it as the news comes. If you're on the right, you cover Trump's actions as they come. If you're on the left, maybe you ought to wait a little bit before you jump out on that branch with both feet, and then you go flying down the tree like Winnie the Pooh trying to get the honey and just hitting every branch on the way down. It's just stupid. Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. So things that I like. A book that I'm in the middle of reading right now is Jordan Peterson's Maps of Meaning. Uh, so we've asked uh, Professor Peterson to come on the program. We keep it's, it's our fault. We, we, we have to schedule it with him a little bit better. But this book is basically about why religious thinking matters and why there's a biological component to religious thinking. Uh, Professor Peterson is not a, a deeply religious guy in the sense that he's, I don't think he's a religious Christian or anything. Um, but the whole basis of this book is why it is that every culture in history has come up with these myths about creation and and gods and why it is that we feel that there's something beyond. Uh, it's a fascinating book. It's, it's, based, it's rooted in science and psychology, which is really interesting. So for believers, it's a really interesting way to examine belief because it's not examined from sort of the point of view of a, of a person of faith. Why do you have faith? It's why is it that cross-culturally faith exists and why is it that so many principles of faith are held in common across cultures? Really fascinating. Not an easy read. Uh, it's, it's like 500 pages of very, very 
small type on very very big pages. Uh, but it is, uh, but it is. If you can get through it, it's 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 well worth reading. I'm in the middle of it right now. It's taken me a while, which I read quickly, so that tells you kind of what the book is. But it's 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 a very interesting book. Maps of Meaning: Architecture of Belief by Jordan Peterson. Okay, other things that I like. Uh, I, I love it when the left exposes itself, uh, not physically. I like it when they expose themselves philosophically. Keith Olbermann is a wonderful lens into what the left actually is. So Keith Olbermann has clearly lost his mind in the last few years. Uh, ever since he was on, I used to like him when he was on SportsCenter. And then he went to MSNBC uh, and lost his mind there. And then he went to Current TV and lost his mind even more there. And then he went to RT and lost his mind there. And so now he's broadcasting from the Forbidden Zone. Uh, from Planet of the Apes, I guess. Uh, and he's just like, where is he? Is he inside a Popsicle here? Uh, he's, he's broadcasting from inside a Popsicle you know, with a green screen that is red and blue. Uh, and, uh, and he is and wearing his, his Edward R. Murrow glasses. And he's going to explain to you why it is that everything is, is hellish. And, and I love what he's about to say, how to get rid of Trump. He's been doing this whole routine about how he's going to get rid of Trump. How's he going to get rid of Trump? Let him explain. We, the citizens of the United States of America, are the victims of a coup. We need your leaks, your information, your intelligence, your recordings, your videos, your conscience. The civilian government and the military of the United States are no longer in the hands of the people, nor in the control of any responsible individuals on whom you can rely. Um, and then he calls for foreign, that's what he's calling there in case you missed it, is for foreign intelligence services to coup Trump. So he's saying that the, the government is no longer in the control of you. We need the Russian government to coup Trump. But but what? But, I thought that was bad. I thought that, <laughs> that, that that's why we're all arguing now. I thought that the whole idea from the left is that the Russian government cooed Hillary. I thought that was the whole thing here. And now you're saying you want the Russian government to coo Trump or like the Zimbabwean government to coo Trump because the government isn't in our hands anymore. So Keith Olbermann and his cats, he's, he's lost his mind. And I love that he's lost his mind because it just demonstrates once again that there is no principle on the hard left. It's all about just ousting Trump no matter what. Glenn Greenwald, who uh, I disagree with radically on a wide variety of issues, even he was like, this is insane. I mean, Keith Olbermann has lost it. Okay, time for some things that I hate. Yesterday was Legal Guardian of Unspecified Gender Day, um, Mother's Day. Uh, we are sensitive here at the Ben Shapiro Show, and we don't want to offend gay couples or non-cisgender couples or mothers who are men or, uh, or I don't know, uh, other, other Mowgli's family. I don't know. We don't, want to, we don't want to offend anyone. So it was Legal Guardian of Unspecified Gender Day. Uh, second Legal Guardian of Unspecified Gender Day will be happening in about uh, a month here. I think it's like June 18th. The second Legal Guardian of, Uns- uh, Legal Guardian of Unspecified Gender Day uh, is June 18th. Um, but um, to celebrate Mother's Day, uh, there, Cecile Richards came out of the woodwork. Cecile Richards uh, is, of course, the head of Planned Parenthood, and she's also uh, a crazy pro-abortion fanatic. So here is what she tweeted with no sense of irony. Quote, nothing says I love you, Mom, like standing up for the right of mothers everywhere to get the care they need. Cecile Richards is the head of an abortion mill on Mother's Day. See, on Mother's Day might be a good time for Cecile Richards to shut up. Like, don't remind people of the killing of the babies on Mother's Day. Like, that's just a bad look. So as I tweeted back at her, nothing says I love you, Mom, like a child you didn't abort. Right? Because the kid can actually say I love you, Mom. <laughs> but it's, it is amazing. Uh, there, there were a couple tweets yesterday. About, I, I tweeted about this in, uh, a little bit yesterday. I said, uh, happy Mother's Day to my wife, a victim of the patriarchy and wonderful mother to our two children. There were women who were tweeting out yesterday that Mother's Day is just terrible because it makes women into breeders. It makes them into baby machines. Sorry to break this to you, ladies, but part of your biology is being a baby machine. Like, 
I'm, I'm sorry, to, sorry to break it to you. Like there are other wonderful things that women do, but you have an amazing superpower called being able to have another child come out of you, which is an unbelievable thing. And this sort of attempt by the left to turn that into the least of the things that women do. No, it's the most of the things that women do because humanity disappears if you don't do it. Okay, like of all the things that human beings do on the planet, bearing and rearing children is the most important thing. And it's odd to me that this is even mildly controversial. Like my wife is a doctor. She has one of the most important jobs you can have. She helps save people's lives every day, right? She has patients every day she talks to. She helps. She tries to save their lives. She tries to make their lives better. And you ask her, what is the most important thing that she does? And she says, have our kids and take care of them. Right. And that's that's not because she's a victim of the patriarchy. It's because she actually cares about the next generation. She cares about our children. The attempt to demean what motherhood is by the left is really one of the most disgusting things that the left does. Uh, And the fact that they've turned women into this attempt to say that we need what we really need is we need paid childcare so that mothers can spend more time at work. I don't want a mother who doesn't want to, to spend more time at work. It's one thing if the mom wants to spend time at work. That's one thing. But then you make arrangements with your husband. Like, my wife works longer hours than I do at this point, so I spend more time with our kids right now than than she does. When she's done with her residency, presumably she will work part-time, and then she will spend more time with the kids than I do. But that shifts over time. But that's a different thing. That's because we have a great marriage, and we work that out between ourselves. But the idea from the left is that you're actually a bad person. You're doing bad things. If you spend more time on your kids, there was a tweet from from Vox yesterday that said something to the effect of your mom spends nine, your mom spent wasted 90 minutes a day on you when you were growing up. Say thank you. Wasted, wasted 90 minutes a day. I would I would venture to say that most mothers feel they wasted much more time at work than they wasted at home with their kids. I mean, name the name the mother, you know, not to get dark here, but name name the person, the, the father or the mother who on their deathbed thinks back and says, God, I really wish that I had spent more time looking at those accounts receivable. I mean, no one does that, but every person says on their deathbed, I wish I had had more time to spend with my kids. So this idea that we have to defeat, demean parenthood in order to establish equality is just stupidity. Okay, uh, one final thing that I hate. So Richard Spencer is a despicable, disgusting human being, uh, an actual Nazi thinker. Uh, if, you, if you read his writings, he's a white supremacist. Uh, it is not okay to punch Richard Spencer. Um, but Richard Spencer uh, decided that he would show up in the in the South. There's a, a, a statue of Robert E. Lee, I guess, that they're considering taking down. And Richard Spencer, who's just a pig of a human being, uh, he shows up at Lee Park. It's in Charlottesville, Virginia. Uh, he leads a torchlight rally. It's not creepy at all to watch white supremacists having a torchlight rally. I mean, he's missing his hood, but... Aside from that, it's not creepy at all. He posted a picture of himself in the middle of a torch-bearing crowd of protesters assembled around Lee Park looking all creepy uh, and, and Christian Bale and American Psycho-esque. Uh, and um, the Charlottesville mayor condemned the torch-lit protest shortly afterward. He compared it to a KKK rally, which is not unfair considering Richard Spencer was there. Here's the part that's really stupid. First of all, if you're going to have a protest in favor of the Lee statue, and there's a good case to be made in favor of the Lee statue, considering that Lee was such an important part of American history long before he was part of the Confederate Army, he was a high-ranking officer in the Union Army. Uh, the Civil War is a part of our history. It's important for us to not only honor that history, but to remember that history, to remember the good and the bad. Condoleezza Rice said this last week, and she's totally right. When we wipe away the history, it re- it takes away the obligation that we all have to teach history to our kids. With that said, it might be better if the people leading the protests against the removal of the Lee statue weren't actual Confederate white supremacists <laughs> marching with torches in the middle of the night. Okay, if we, if we can make that not happen, that would probably be good. He, he spoke to The Guardian after the protest did, Richard Spencer, this genius, and he said the torches were, quote, a way to communicate with the dead and were not meant to be a throwback to the Klan. Okay, well, that makes me feel better. 
I'm, I'm glad. I feel so much better now that he's communicating with the dead. That's, that's exciting. I, I will say this. The media's attention on Richard Spencer is super overblown. Richard Spencer has about seven followers, but everybody is, is making a big deal out of all of this, obviously. They're doing the same thing with, uh, they, they did the same thing with Milo Yiannopoulos. He, I guess, was on the Today Show talking about free speech on college campuses. Um, you know, obviously, Milo has a role in talking about free speech on college campuses, given the amount of, of rioting there was at UC Berkeley. So I'm, I don't begrudge him that. But the people who are going to keep Milo alive in the public eye are people on the left. The people who are going to keep Richard Spencer alive are people on the left. And the reason for that is because they would prefer that I were Richard Spencer, right? They would prefer that people like me were Richard Spencer, that I were Alex Jones. They would prefer that the mainstream right was the Richard Spencer right or the Alex Jones right or the Milo Yiannopoulos right. The reality is that the left has an interest in choosing which people it makes the spokesperson for the right, and you shouldn't give in to that. Okay, so tomorrow we'll be back. We'll talk about President Trump meeting with the president of, uh, of Turkey, who's showing up, the prime minister of Turkey. Uh, we'll talk about all of that uh, and the latest in Trump world and why the Democrats are overreaching. Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 